following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, I thank you that, um, that you've got a message for us today. You've got a message for us every day. And that message uh, is meant to not just penetrate our hearts, but uh, come forth through our mouths in, in, in powerful ways that others might know the good news. This, uh, this great and glorious rescue mission that you are our lifesaver, Lord Jesus. You are the hero of heaven. You're the one that came down and rescued us from sin and death. You're the one that purchased us and redeemed and ransomed us and, and plucked us out of the mire and, uh, and brought us back to the Father. And, uh, and you're washing us up. Uh, Holy Spirit, thank you for the, the glorious work that you're doing. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be heard and I would be forgotten, that I uh, that you would just allow your words uh, right now to, to take their full expression and meaning and purpose to, to, to breathe faith and trust and adoration and worship, uh, that, that, uh, that these, uh, these, these words would lift off the page and be written on our hearts and that it would, uh, that it would have the fruit of faith. Um, faith that, that moves us to salvation or, or faith that moves us to sanctification, Lord, that it would just increase our faith. And so, Lord, let that, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, my, my hope for our time together here is uh, I'm going to walk us through some scriptures, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to, to trust Jesus in a new and, and more profound and complete way. Um, but uh, I want us to walk through the scriptures because that's where we come to understand and know that's the, the powerful instrument of God's word is meant to penetrate our hearts, our motives, our intentions, and to, to reveal his truth to us and show us his heart and mercy, his grace and kindness. And it's that kindness of God that leads us to repentance because that's truly what he wants us to do. He wants us to turn from us, turn from the patterns of this world, turn from the things that we often turn to when life gets hard and stressful, turn from those things to put those things behind us and not just turn from them, but turn to him and, and make him our gaze, our hope, our trust, make him, when, when things, look, does life get tough? Yes. And when, when life gets tough, what do you go to? Do, do you run to his word to be reminded of his promises? Do you, do, you, do you run to your knees so that you can cry out to him knowing that he is present, he's good, he's, he's there, he's ready? I can't tell you how many times that I've asked him for joy to be my strength. And, and I, I finished the prayer and I've just come to know that uh, it's coming. It's going to come. And it does. It does. Like God is so faithful. He hears us. He says to, he says to us in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. But we're not good listeners. Even though we've been given two ears and one mouth, we just we tend to, to, to talk in prayer more than we listen. And God, God, God wants us to hear his word. God wants us to listen. We need to be more like Samuel, right? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That was Eli's counsel. And so as we read his word this morning, I, I hope that you'll drink this in. I hope that you will treasure this moment because this is God's word. And if we believe in it, if we put our hope and trust in it, uh, our confidence in it, like it, it then God does a miraculous work. He, he makes the, the truths, the promises of those, of this word a reality in our life. Did you hear that? That's amazing. 
He wants us to, to trust him at his word. And has he ever been anything but faithful to his promises? The only time that you could ever say yes or, or, or no to that is because we have put, um, we have put false expectations on promises he hasn't made or we've misunderstood his word or we have wanted it in a timeline that isn't his. I mean, but when God says he's going to do something, he will do it. And when we believe that, like, I mean, Israel had to wait for their Messiah, right? And are we waiting for his sure, sure return? And in the waiting, what are we called to do? But to worship, to worship in the waiting. I often say this, what, what, do, what, is a, what does a waiter do, right? He serves. Like, that's what we're called to do. We're called, the word serve uh, in the Hebrew is very, very closely tied to worship. Like, we will serve him while we worship, while we wait. All right, here we go. You ready? Okay, here we go. So get ready. This is, uh, this is all resurrection stuff. This is so critical. Uh, this, is, this is what God has done in Christ in order to rescue us. This is the good news that God purposed uh, and brought to fruition. Like this was planned before the foundation of the earth, right? Like right here. So uh, Luke 24, one through nine, but on the first day of the week, what day was that? Sunday, right? You know, can I just say something real quick? I know I haven't gotten very far here, but, but like, let, let, let me just say this real quick. This is, this is real exciting stuff. Like, did, you know, I, um, Matt and Lori shared this with me on Friday night that, you know, fortunately, you know, I don't know where you're at with your taxes and all that. Um, but, you know, that's been deferred, you know, because of Easter weekend and all that. But, but Friday was tax day, right? We, we had a debt to pay. Jesus paid our debt on Good Friday. Like, that was so good. Paid in full, man. That's, that's good. But, but I want to tell you something even more profound and amazing. And I don't know if you've picked this up yet, but like this year. So do you know that Nisan 14, which is Nisan is a, a month of the Jewish calendar, 14th day. Like that's the day that we refer to as what? Passover, Passover, right? So Passover, like your birthday, um, goes, can show up on a Monday, Tuesday. Like it can, it can be any day of the week, right? And, um, and so, but when, when Jesus was crucified, what day did Passover fall on? Friday, right? So um, <laughs> I love to leave you hanging on that. Okay, so Friday, right? It's always Friday. And so what's interesting this year is that in, in the way the calendar fell this year, it fell the same way it did, the same, t- the same way it did when Jesus was giving his life the same way. So this, today, Sunday, is truly like resurrection day, right? That's just, that's so exciting. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I love all of that. Um, and so it says, but on the first day of the week, Sunday, um, and, and just, just real quick, just real quick. Um, like, you know, Jews, do you know that when a Jewish day begins? You know when a Jewish day begins? Sundown, right? That's why Jesus had to be in the tomb, Right, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had to bury him. Right, seventy-five pounds of burial spice—that's a king's burial, by the way. <laughs> like that was what they were trying to testify to at that point. But like it had to be buried by sundown because the Sabbath began. Right, and they couldn't touch a dead body at that point. They would be right, and so, um, but but they did, and and th- that they didn't care. Right, and so, but the the point is, is that he died on Friday, Saturday. Our what we understand to be Saturday started at sundown Friday, day two. When did day three begin? Sundown Saturday. 
And he was born, he was reborn. He was the firstborn among many brethren on Sunday morning, right? So on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, this is talking, if you look at verse 10 of this section, which we won't, uh, it's talking about Mary Magdalene, Joanna, uh, Mary, the mother of James and other women. Uh, we know that Mary got there, Mary Magdalene, which Man, this woman just knew what it meant to worship Jesus, right? Like, like she, she never gave up on him. And, uh, and we see that in verse 10, but in Matthew 27, 61, uh, it tells us that uh, a few of these ladies sat opposite the tomb the night before when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were wrapping him in the burial cloth. They knew where the tomb was. But when they came this day, they, they were, they were wondering how in the world, because they wanted, they wanted to continue to worship him, right? And, but they knew where the tomb was, but they weren't sure how they were going to roll the stone away. Went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But, you know, like, God gets the things out of the way so we can worship him, right? Like, he, he, he still rolls stones away, guys. So let me just tell you, that's true. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So what was their conclusion? What was Mary's conclusion? They've stolen the body. They've stolen the body. So while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood uh, by, by them in dazzling apparel. We know these are angelic folks that show up. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? I mean, heaven must often go, what are you doing? <laughs> he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? Remember this, guys? Remember this, ladies, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. This must happen. And on the third day rise, he told them this four times. And they remembered his words and returning to the tomb, they told all these things, returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. Now, what's interesting is, if you look at this, Mary is still kind of perplexed. Right? She's still like, Jesus has to ask her the very same questions. What are you seeking? Why are you weeping? Right? She's still perplexed. And what she still continues to do is seek a dead Jesus. Right? He wants, she wants his body. Guys, I would propose that there are many in, especially in our context in America and around the world that are still seeking a dead Jesus. A Jesus that isn't alive. Right? They're, they're seeking someone that is, that is, that is not, uh, conquered the grave. Right? They're still believing that, that like, and, and what, what is, what I'm talking about here is, unless you believe in the resurrection, you still are dead in your trespasses and sins. Like, that is the linchpin. We were told in Romans 10 that this is it. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If we do not believe that Jesus is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, that he is no longer in a grave, and the grave is empty because he rose from the dead, then we are not saved, right? We're still seeking a dead Jesus. And this is what, and man, she did she love him? Oh, she loved him. I mean, we're told at the end of the day that many will say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus will look at them and say, I, I don't even know you. And I believe this correlates 
Man, are, are, are we seeking a Jesus? And that's why I said that at the beginning of our time together, guys, look, Jesus came. Mark talks about, the first part of the Gospel of Mark talks about the suffering servant. But then, that's not who Jesus is today. On the other side of the grave, he is the glorified king. He is the one that's described in Revelation. He is the one that caused John to, to fall down like he was dead, faint in his presence. Like he, he deserves way more glory and honor and praise and, and wonder and awe, right? Because he's conquered the grave. He's alive. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you, are you with me? Right? I mean, we, we serve a risen savior, right? We live, we serve a God who conquers death and his son. Yes, he died for your sin, but he did not stay on that cross. And I, I'll say this. I said this earlier that like, look, I, I, we got brothers and sisters that still leave Jesus on the cross, right? I, I don't know if there are brothers and sisters, but they're in other, other uh, belief systems and, and they, and, and, and they've not let Jesus they haven't, they haven't seen him buried and raised. That's where the power is. That's where salvation gets, gets translated into our lives. That's our hope. So my hope today is that you walk away today with a firm and concrete belief that Jesus is alive and that he's seated with the Father and that he's your advocate, he's your mediator, that he loves you, that, that he did all of this to seek and save you, to set the captives free. Mm. I don't even know where I'm at. Okay, John 10. So John 10, 14 goes on to say, and, this, and this, is, this is the shepherd piece. Listen to what he says here. And John he says, I am the good shepherd, right? I, I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, do you know that you're known by God? You know, I love what, I love what Hagar said, you know, when, when sent off or ran off, she said, the God who sees me. Like, do you know that God sees you? Like he knows you, right? And, but he wants to be known by you. Like, and what I mean by known is like, not, not like, oh, I, I know Brad Pitt because you know a name. I'm talking about intimate relationship, which he is, this is what he wants for us, right? He says, I know my own and my own know me. That word in the Greek is oida. It means that you know that you know that you know. It's actually used in the, in the Hebrew, but by using this terminology and Adam knew Eve, it's intimate, right? Just as the father knows me and I know the father, that's, that's the, that's the degree of no. How, I mean, how well does the father and son know each other? That's how well the Lord wants you to know him. And you are known by him. He wants to have that intimate relationship. And he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. For I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Who's he talking about? He's talking about everyone that's not a Jew here. He's talking about us. He's talking about the Gentiles, ones that are not of of that fold. So there will be one flock, Jew and Gentile, one shepherd, him, the good shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. This is what he said. Can you imagine how confusing it would have been for the, for the initial audience here? Like, no one takes it from me. Don't you love that? Like, the devil didn't take his life. In fact, I believe the, the devil knew enough about the Old Testament. Trust me, the devil knows and fears, trembles, right? Like, that he knew what was going on here. That's why he was using all those voices we talked about on Friday night. All those different people to try to talk him off the cross, right? To give up the mission, 
right? He started at his, 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 his testing or his, his temptation and he never quit trying to get Jesus to step out of the mission because he knew the consequences of that was the salvation of those that would trust and believe in him. But he says, no one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. Why does someone die for someone else? For no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life. Do you know God loved you enough to send his son to die for you? And that was necessary because without him dying for you, you could never live for him because your sin separated. And if you're sitting here today and you're going, I, I, I'm, I mean, I've sin, seen some sinners, but I'm no. Have you ever lied? You ever stolen? You ever cheated? You ever, you ever had a, you know, it says, if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, you've already murdered him. Okay, I think we're all in the same category now, right? Like, I mean, like, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he says, he says here, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority from who? the Father, to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge, he was charged by the Father to this mission, right? This charge I have received from my Father. Like the Father charged the Son to go and lay down his life. and, And Jesus, you know, wrestling with his own humanity in the garden said, oh, Lord, man, take this cup from me. This, this cup of wrath that, can you imagine? Have you ever, have you ever contended with the, the guilt and shame of your own sin? The darkness? The hurt? Jesus knew and was embracing the, the moment to drink all of humanity's sin debt. To take the wrath that was due all of us, collectively. But then he says this, Father, not my will. Listen, we'll never get to God's will if we don't first say, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. This charge I have received from my father. In John chapter two, I love this. In verses 18 to 22, it says, so the Jews said to him, what authenticating sign? Okay, so what happens? What happened here? Jesus cleared the temple for the first time. By the way, he did that twice. It's kind of bookends of his ministry. He did it in the beginning of his ministry and he did it at the end of his ministry. And this is in the beginning and he clears the temple, which means he goes in there and he's so bothered by the fact that they have turned this into a place. It looks like a farmhouse. And it's all covered in greed and bright. I mean, it's just a mess. And he says, this house is a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves. That's what's going on. And he got so upset. He like fashions a whip and he never hits anybody, but he turns over tables and he, and he, and he just wants to get this all. He says, he says, I have zeal for my father's house. Right. And it's on the heels of all that, that the Pharisees, like after that big scenario goes, Whoa, 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 whoa. So the Jews said to him, what authenticating sign do you show us for doing these things? You know what Jesus does? He points to his resurrection as the authenticating sign of his authority to do what he just did. Because you know what he was saying was? I'm God, by the way. Hello? That's why I have, I have authority to do. I mean, they were questioning him at every moment, right? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple... And in three days, I will raise it up. 
The Jews said to him, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And I love this, verse 22. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Can we join them in in their faith today? Like Jesus makes this statement that was so obscure. Like even the the, the Jewish leaders are going, whoa, 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 this takes a long time to build and you're going to use some nets. I know know you're a carpenter and all, but like, (laughs) come on right? And, uh, and man, do we not misunderstand him so often and what he's saying? And I love that he said, tear down this temple and in three days I will rebuild it, right? Sown in weakness, raised in power, right? He's talking about the glorified body that he would take on. But I think he was also talking about the body of Christ that he was going to build on the other side of an empty tomb. And that is powerful. So Paul asked this question of King Agrippa in Acts 26, 8. In Acts 26, 8, it says, while, uh, I mean, he's kind of floored, like Paul's convinced, right? I mean, he said, I'm to be pitied above all men if Christ isn't raised, right? Like, he's like, I've, I'm sold out to this whole deal. Like, this is, this is my, I mean, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And, uh, and he looks at this, this crowd and specifically at King Agrippa and he says, why is it? thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead. And I want to ask that of us today. I mean, I think the world kind of goes, Easter, like God raised the dead. Like, I mean, even the first century uh, folks struggled with this, you know? And like, I love Paul's question here. Like, what? This is God. Like, why, why are you like surprised that he can raise the dead? We're talking about God here. Israel had prophetic voices that spoke of the resurrection also. I read this earlier, but Ezekiel's not the only one in chapter 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. You know, there are other voices that speak. Daniel, as we'll look at in just a minute. But look at it. Here, Isaiah again. He says this, your dead shall live. Your body shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is the dew of the light and the earth will give birth to the dead. I mean, Isaiah didn't even know what he was, he's like, wow, that's pretty cool, but I don't, I don't you know, wow, I, that'll be cool when that's, you know, wow. You know, like, but, but, but he knew that, that this was God's word and this was God's promise. And, and we stand today, like we have no excuse. Like we stand today in retrospect to all these promises and prophecies fulfilled. <laughs> I mean, like, do you know there were over 500 witnesses? That, that 500 witnesses that saw Jesus raised, like firsthand. His own brother that many of his family didn't believe in him and his own brother, he, he appears to him, to Peter, to, to many others, to the, to the disciples, to we see, to Mary. Like, and I mean, how many people in a court of law do you need to have as witnesses to prove something as fact? Three, four, how about 500 or more, right? Like, I mean, fact, and when this is stated, which by the way, I looked this up, 34 years later, Paul pens this uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians, he pens this, very statement about the 500. And what's, what's interesting, he says, many of them are still alive today to basically tell you that it's fact. Like you don't write something and, and publish that as, as uh, you know, to everyone if, if there's uh, over 500 people that can refute it. You know, like, I mean, in my other, my other case for the resurrection is this and probably the most profound one. Well, first of all, you don't, I, I won't go there, but like, 
You got men that are terrified for their life because if you did this to my rabbi, you'll do it to me because I'm his follower, right? And I'm scared and I'm hiding and I'm terrified. But the moment that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, the moment they, they're, they're, they're engaged for 40 days with the, with the risen Savior, they don't care if they live or die. You don't do that. Listen, let me just say it this way. You don't die for a lie. You don't, <laughs> right? So listen to what Daniel says, Daniel 12, one through two. And there shall be a time of trouble. Hello? Such as never has been. And by the way, this is the passage. Do this today. It's awesome. Um, Jesus, Jesus gives us our eschatology, basically our end time theology. Like in Matthew 24, he breaks it down. It's, it's so beautiful and clear. And in the midst of that statement, and he's telling you firsthand, this is how I'm coming back, when I'm coming back, why I'm coming back. And then he says, do you not know Daniel? Like this is what he's referring to. And he says, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Talking about the time of tribulation. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, the Lamb's book of life in Revelation. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, 20 to 24 helps us to understand this concept that if he's risen, we will too, right? It's a promise. And Paul explains this under the direction of the Holy Spirit and says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits, right? Because there's going to be many that follow of those who have fallen asleep. Speaking of believers' death. For as by a man came death, speaking of Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruit, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. This is marital language. This is redemption language. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad? And the question this morning is, do you belong to him? Do you want to belong to him? Like he wants, he wants to, to have you. He wants you to make, make you his own. He said this in John 14. He said this to the, to the, to the, to the disciples as they were trying to take in the fact that he's saying, I got to go. It's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Like if I don't go, he can't. Like I'm going to, I'm going to pour out the Spirit on the earth, but, but I've got to go do what God's, the charge that I've been given by the Father. And, and this is what he says. He says, now this is, this is literally hours before his arrest. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, the Father. Believe also in me. For for in, in, in his house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to take you to myself, he says. For where I am, you shall also be. Like this is, this is marital language about a bridegroom saying, I'm coming back for my bride. And in the process, I'm going to make you radiant. And the father is going to turn you over to me and you will be mine, my precious radiant bride. And so this is, this is Jesus' heart pursuit. Man, let's not turn this into some sort of cold religious thing about wrong and right. Yeah, all of that, that matters. But at the heart of Christianity, 
right? Of being a follower of Christ. It is a love relationship with the living God. And if it is that, man, it is everything. And so it says, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then, then verse 24 comes the end, right? Each one in his order, talking about the raising of the dead, right? The wheat and the weeds. We, we, uh, we talked about this at men's breakfast yesterday. I love this. You know, it's often asked, like, why doesn't God just end all this evil, right? And basically he does a parable. And he says, look, if we try to, if we pull up the weeds, we're going to pull up the wheat too, right? And, uh, and they're like, huh? Uh, as usual. And, um, and like, we might do that too. So like, but what he was saying was like, if you pull up the, the weeds, these weeds might possibly are, are potentially going to be future wheat. Now, how does a weed ever become a, become wheat? That's the miracle of the old is gone. Behold, all things is new. Only God can take wheat. I was wheat. I mean, weeds. I was weeds. My life was weeds, right? And only God can take weeds and make it something that is, that is bread, that is fruitful, that is wheat. And that's the miracle that God wants to do in each of our lives. All of those are illustrations to understand the heart of God and the intention of God. Well, this chapter continues um, in verse 51 to 58. Don't miss this. I love this. And we're going to share this because it's, um, it's a mystery that is being unfolded for us. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That's, mean, that's saying that when he comes back, there's still going to be believers on the earth. That We shall not all sleep, right? Because it's talking about believers' death. And so he says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Every single one, those that, that are dead in Christ, those that will be with me. Uh, he says, he says uh, though, though you live, um, though you die, yet you shall live, he said to Martha. And, though you, and then he says, but if you live until I come, you shall never die. Right? So that kind of resonates with this. He says, um, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He's talking to the saints here, to the believers in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. We shall be changed just like Jesus was. For this perishable body must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then... This is so important. We sang a song even today that, 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 that we have to understand this. That's when death loses its sting. When Jesus comes back, does death still sting? Yes, listen. He says, he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? So like, why doesn't God just get that done and get it? Let's do this, right? I mean, the saint would say, yeah, I'm ready. Come, Lord Jesus. But why? Because God desires that none should perish. He is patient so that, so that and so what should we be? We should be laborers in the harvest. We should be out there sharing the good news. Because, man, are there, are there weeds that need to be weed? Is God looking to rescue humanity? Why? How could we possibly be so, so selfish to have the cure for spiritual cancer and not share it. That's crazy, right? I mean, it should be 
It should be ready and available in our hearts, always ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. That's the reason that we die. The wages of sin is death, right? And the power of sin is the law, right? God's righteous standards. But thanks be to God. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it for your benefit. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. We're more than conquerors in him, right? Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. Saint, hear this. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, I'm going to share this, this passage here, this next passage, because it's an echoing passage to what we just read. It complements so beautifully, and it gives further clarity. Listen to this about the second coming of Christ. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, the dead in Christ, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So basically the question is, so what is our hope? Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this, we declare to you by a word from the Lord. So Paul is saying, like he's talking again, he's going back to, to chapter 24 of Matthew, right? He's saying, we, we can tell you this because this is, this is Jesus's words, that we who are alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will, who are left till the coming of the Lord, the we, is that a saint? Is that... Well, that'll mess with your, your, your left behind series. Okay, so um, we who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an arch- archangel, and with the trumpet call, the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will be caught up together with them, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Can I just share some great news for you or with you? Jesus' glorified body ascended right in front of them on the Mount of Olives. Like he, he appeared behind locked doors. He hung out with disciples on the road to Emmaus and then I'm out. These are the bodies. These are indicators of how our bodies are going to react. You know how we're going to meet the Lord in the air? Gravity has no, material has no. Like, we got, I mean, sown in weakness, raised in power, right? Like this, you know, the, these bodies that we're going to be given, read about it in 1 Corinthians 15. Look, but don't just read about it. Believe it, saint. Believe it. Because if you believe it, it will change your life. Because then what, what happens is we stop looking for anti-aging cream. Okay, we stop looking for the, for the we, we stop driving over to St. Augustine. You with me? Okay, so like, I mean, because look, these body, oh, yeah, I, someone just explained that to somebody else. So like, okay, so like, we, we literally, guys, we stop trying to hold on to our life and we give it. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He gave his life. We're told in Romans 12, 1, it says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. That's what we're talking about today to offer your bodies, your bodies. Look, this isn't who you are. This is a tent. This is a shell. This isn't who you are. It's, it's the spirit and soul that resides in here 
That's who you are. This is of the earth. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, this is meant to be sown as a kernel or a seed. Like that's what it says, right? We're supposed to give these life, these bodies. We're not supposed, man, like in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about these bodies as being tense, right? And it, it's, it, it's hilarious to me. I have this imagery of walking through a campground and you got these tents and they're all, they got glitter on them and they got jewelry hanging on them and they, you know, they're all prettied up and, you know, like, like, but that's what we do with these bodies, right? Now, look, I'm, we should be good stewards. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should, we should steward this body in light of the fact that God has put his spirit in us and we should care for it, but we shouldn't treasure it. We shouldn't treasure it. This, this is not our treasure. This is, we're jars of clay when it comes to our flesh. And, and let me remind you of this. These bodies are of the earth. And they are from dust to... Is it true that when the breath of life leaves the body that it returns to that? When the breath of God, the pneuma... Whew, isn't it amazing that you take dirt and you put God's breath in it and it thinks... It takes on the image. <laughs> oh my gosh, we got to talk about these things. It's so amazing. Verse 17. Okay, verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Final chapter, final section before I close. Guys, 10 days earlier, John pens the words of an experience that Jesus has with Lazarus's family. Lazarus has died four days ago. Jesus knew it, and the father told him, not yet. He didn't even have to understand that, probably did. He waited. And he shows up, and both Mary and Martha both said, if you'd have been here, Lord, he wouldn't have died. That's, that's some pretty good faith if you think about what they're saying there, right? If you'd have been here, Lord, he wouldn't have died. But then listen to what this conversation, this is with Martha specifically. This is what this conversation says. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know, oida, know that I know, I believe that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That, that's, that's what... That's a statement about what she believed, who she believed Jesus was, is. That's a statement, right? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, I love this. Martha said to him, I know. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You don't get that unless you're sitting at Jesus' feet and, and, and taking in his teaching, right? You don't, you don't pull that out of the Old Testament. Like the Pharisees didn't get that yet, right? Like, she was sitting at his feet. She was drinking in his word, but he was, she was doing more than that because you know what? You can come sit in a church and you can, you can get to know all of these words, but if you don't believe them, they don't go the 18 inches from your mind to your heart. And this, this might be where you think change happens, but this is where transformation occurs. And so we have to, we have to, we have to put our trust in the word of God. And she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. This is a grieving sister of four days. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. We just read that. And everyone who lives until I return is what he's saying and believes in me 
shall never die. (laughs) From life to life. Like to greater life. Clothed with life. And then he says this. You see, he says, do you believe this? Man, that's my question to you today. Do you believe this? Like, do you know that that's all that God wants in order to save you? Is that you would believe. If, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And look, God knows your heart. You can't, you can't trick him, right? You can't fool him on this, you, you know? Like, we, we, we do a lot of masquerading in life, but, but God knows our hearts. And man, if you truly believe that God raised his son from the dead, he says, he promises you will be saved. And at that moment, everything changes. And I'm talking about you and everything you do, your life, your ambitions, your goals, your desires, uh, like you just trans, you just, you just turn them over. Yeah. I want what you want now, God. Right. And, uh, and so this is what he says. Do you believe this, Martha? And I love what she says. here. Listen to what she says. She said to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Man, wow. You, man, you, you, do you think Jesus was pleased at that moment? It says, we're told without faith, it's impossible to please God. I believe Jesus was so pleased in that moment. So I finish with this. In John six forty, it says this. For this is the will. Please hear this. This is the will of my father. We should like perk up here for a moment, right? This is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I, the Father, will raise him up on the last day. On the last day. Look, Martha was looking for a dead body, right? That was sown. Jesus talked about giving his life, his body, right? And But the moment she turned after hearing her name personally and intimately stated by her good shepherd, that she, he knew, she knew his voice, the moment she turned to him, and as it says right here, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. I believe everything changed in that moment for her. Right? And it can for you too. Romans 10, 9, I've already quoted this a few times. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. That means declared by, by heaven's judge. The only one that matters. The word justified means declared not guilty. And that's, that is not a, a fickle declaration. Perfect love, love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. Your punishment was taken for you. That is a justified. Don't you love that it's past tense? It's done, right? That's it, it's, it's done. All you have to do is to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It says, for, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth, don't miss this, with the mouth one professes and is saved. Guys, can you say this with me this morning? Can you say with full conviction of your heart, Jesus is Lord and mean it? Say it. And mean it. Say it again. Man, look, listen, we're even told, I'm not even sure I understand this, but we are told that that if the Spirit abides in you, like, he helps you to say that. 
You can't say that if, if, uh, if the Spirit doesn't abide. Like that, that, that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit to have that come out of your... That is the longing of God's Spirit for that declaration to come out of your mouth. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know. This is Easter. Man, and, and, and man, this is the good news of God's grace and mercy extended to humanity. We've, we've read about it, but here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Look, there's no special words here. You know, we, I, we've talked about it. Like, it is a matter of just believing. I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I had a friend that I was sharing the gospel with, living intimate life with, and sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel with for years. Well, almost a couple years. And playing basketball every Saturday morning, John remembers this. And like, I mean, just, and, and he was, he just couldn't believe. Like, he just was like, I can't. I, it just, I, I don't believe. I, but you know what I loved? He was so, he was honest. He's like, I, I just, I don't. I get a call one day on my phone. It still makes me cry. <laughs> like, he's like, like, I, I look down, it's Jim. I'm like, that's Jim. I'm excited to talk to Jim. This is all I hear on the other side. I believe. I believe. I'm on the Howard Franklin. And I believe. Yes. And that, man's, that man was changed. Now, I'm not saying that he was perfect. No, I'm saying he wasn't. But like, what I'm saying is, is that he was changed and he's been transformed ever since. And God is doing the working in his life. And he is a new creation. And, and, and his countenance is different. His attitude. It, I loved that moment. How many of you remember when the Bucks won the Super Bowl? You remember that? All right. I'm, I'm going to get back. What's that? Which one? Okay. So, um, I'm going to get back to that. Here's what I want to say first. If you are here today and you have never trusted Christ, if, if God is just contending with your heart, you just, you're feeling just the, the, the urging of God's spirit trying to woo you into, his, into a love affair with Jesus, because that's what it is. Like if you're, if you're being stirred in this moment, let me just promise you, it's not about, there's no, we don't have special words in here for this. It is your heart saying, these words that I'm going to share with you. And it's not these specific words. The only reason I say that is because what I've done uh, over the last several weeks is I've just looked at all the scriptures on this and just saw, like, we need to have a heart of repentance. We need to have a heart of lordship. We need to acknowledge that he saved us. We need to acknowledge that he rose from the grave. And so this is, this is just a prayer. And if you want to share this prayer with me as a way of you praying to trust Christ and, and to declare your, your hope and and faith in him, then join me with this prayer. And then I'll close our time together. I'm going to say it slowly so you can say it in your own words. Um, or you could say these words, or you could say it, you could stand and, sh- and shout it out, which trust me, I, I won't mind. Um, but here it is. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and grace. Please forgive me of my many sins through the complete work of the cross. I put my trust in you and I surrender my will to yours. I believe that you loved me and died for me and rose again to conquer sin and death. From this day forward, please help me 
to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.